Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. In Romans chapter 6, the Apostle Paul tells us that when we gave our life to Jesus and received him as our Lord and Savior, our old self was crucified with Jesus. Before we gave our lives to Jesus Christ, we were actually slaves to sin. Sin was our master. Now, in Jesus, we are freed from the power of sin and given resurrection life in him. Let's open our Bible now to Romans chapter 6 and learn how we can live no longer as slaves to sin, but in the resurrection life of Jesus Christ our Lord. Well, good morning and welcome to another teaching. It is a Wednesday morning here in Texas and uh, it's all about Jesus. We say it every time. It's about spending time with Jesus. It's about growing to know Jesus, growing to obey Jesus, growing to love Jesus, growing to know his love for you. In Jesus, you have relationship. I have relationship with God, our father, with Jesus, God, the son, and with God, the Holy Spirit. We have this, this incredible familial relationship with the triune God. It's, it's, it's incredible. And, and, and the very meaning of life is growing to walk in a more meaningful relationship with Jesus. And so thank you, Lord Jesus. All right. Uh, today, uh, Lord willing, we're going to do Romans chapter six, verses one through seven. These verses are so deep. They're so profound. It's, it's almost like they're too profound. We, we, we did Bible study with the leaders of Kingdom Discipleship yesterday, and we, we discussed these verses. And, and I, I mean, I hit it from like five different ways. And, and just the profundity of it, it, it just, it, it's so overwhelming. Just, it's, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's so deep. It's difficult to understand, but so Lord willing, we're going to, we're going to walk through verses one through seven. And so try to pay attention really closely. And, uh, and I think you'll come away just, uh, you know, hopefully overwhelmed and excited um, just about the, the true power and freedom that you have from sin and the, and the ability to walk in, a, in an upright um in right way before God, our Father. So, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy, your favor, your goodness, your grace on our lives. Father, we thank you for this book of Romans. But, Father, above all, as always, we thank you for Jesus, our only Lord and Savior and Master and King. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your mercy on our lives. We thank you for willingly becoming a human man for us, for living a perfect, righteous life on our behalf, for dying a torturous death on our behalf. And we thank you that you're alive and risen today, Lord Jesus, and we worship you. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we open your word. We ask you to give us eyes that see, ears that hear, hearts that understand. And again, Father, I do ask for a special mercy over my mother, over Lori Morton, who's in the hospital right now. I ask you to be with her. I ask you to comfort her. I ask you to reveal yourself to her, Father, and I ask for your mercy and healing in her father. I ask you to heal her spirit, soul, heart, mind, and body in Jesus name, in Jesus name. Amen. And amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay. 
All right, so Romans 6, verses 1 through 7. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we have been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Okay, wow, thank you, Lord Jesus. So again, just reading these verses, it's just, yeah, right? It, it, you can see it's like, man, what is Paul talking about here? So we're gonna break them down carefully, Lord willing, and open it up. So why does Paul start out this way? Verse one, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase. Why does he say that? So remember, if you turn back to chapter five and the final verses of chapter five, if you look at verse 20, Paul says in chapter five, the law was added so that the trespass might increase, but where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So in chapter five, Paul told us you cannot out sin God's grace, okay? No matter how sinful we've been, when we give our lives sincerely to Jesus Christ, when we sincerely receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, when we, when we sincerely turn to him, knowing our hopeless, helpless, desperate state, and cry out to him and call out to him and trust in him alone for the forgiveness of our sins and the salvation of our soul, no matter how much sin we've committed, past or even present or future sin, it's completely covered in the grace of God. Every sin we ever committed or will commit is credited to Jesus at the cross. The perfect righteous life that Jesus lived is credited to us and we're given new spiritual life in Jesus Christ. Our old self, our old man is, is crucified with Christ. It's killed. Our old man that was enslaved to sin is killed. And we're given a new man, a new life, new spiritual life. And when I say a new man, I mean a new person. Um, we're given new life, a new self, a spiritually living, live self in Christ. Um, and in that self has the power to walk with Christ, to walk with God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, uprightly and properly and in relationship and meaning. But because Paul says in, in chapter 5, verse 20, that where sin increased, grace increased all the more, already he can see, you know, people's little minds twisting to say, well, if, if, if the more I sin, the more God's grace covers my sin, well, then I ought to just sin it up. I ought to just start rolling, right, Peyton? I ought to just start sinning more and more and more and more. Verse 1, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? Well, since grace covers over my sin, 
I might as well just uh, in, enjoy the pleasures of sin more and more and more and more because God's grace is going to cover it. Um, verse two, the first three words, by no means. What shall we say then? Verse one, shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? Verse two, by no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? One of the great fears of the church, one of the great fears of the church over the last 2,000 years is that the idea that we're saved by God's grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, is going to be a license for the person to spend their life in sin. Because after all, there's nothing for us to do to earn our salvation Therefore, the person is just licensed to go out and live any way he wants to. And uh, that could not be less true. That could not be more absurd. But Paul here can see that objection, okay? And the objection still lives in the church today. Well, since I'm saved by grace, I guess I might as well just go live any way I want to. By no means. It's ridiculous, okay? Someone who has that attitude, someone who actually believes or someone who lives a life that, that they should just go on sinning because God's grace is going to cover it has almost certainly not truly been saved. They almost certainly have not received Jesus Christ into their heart as their Lord and Savior. When you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, Jesus comes to live in your heart, right? May He becomes one with your heart. By your heart, we mean your spirit. He, he becomes one with your spirit and gives life to your spirit. You have life, spiritual life, eternal life. You are, you are born spiritually. You go from spiritual death to spiritual life when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You're regenerated and you now have spiritual life. You have eternal life. The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, also called the Spirit of Jesus, comes and joins himself to your spirit. You become one with him, right? You're one with the Holy Spirit and Jesus, one with Jesus. Hence, we're called the bride of Christ, right? Because we're married to Jesus in spirit. And now you have eternal life. And Jesus actually lives in you. When G with Jesus living in you, Okay, you, 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 your heart is changed and you begin to have desires to live for Jesus. You, you begin to want to walk with him. You want to know him. You want to love him. You want to please him. Now, again, all of us are at different stages of this. This is the life of a disciple is growing to walk with Jesus and to know Jesus, to love him, to obey him, to know his love for you. But if you have the attitude today, since I believe in Jesus, I can go on sinning and I'm going to go on sinning. There's going to be no, no reason for me to repent of my sinful lifestyles. I'm going to continue to live in habitual sin. Then almost certainly your salvation is not genuine. Okay. You want to go back to the cross. You want to repent and say, Lord Jesus, I'm sorry. I ask you to forgive me. Lord, I know my attitude has been that I'm going to willingly, willfully live in deliberate, habitual sin because I know your grace is going to cover it. 
Now, if that has been your attitude, then you simply just want to repent. You want to go before Jesus, you want to confess it, and you want to call on him anew and afresh. You want to simply humble yourself before him and just say, Lord Jesus, I, I do ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to be the Lord of my life. I ask you to save me from my sin. I ask you to come and live inside of me. I ask you to be the Lord of my life. Lord Jesus, I place all my faith and trust and confidence and hope in you alone to save me and to be my everlasting Lord and God. And Holy Spirit, I do ask you to convict me of my sin and help me to live my life for Jesus Christ, my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So again, we're not saved by anything we do. But do you see the argument here? Someone could say, well, again, since I don't have to do anything, you know, and since grace covers over all my sin, I might as well live any way I want. Paul anticipates that argument. Hence, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? Verse two, by no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it? Any longer, when you gave your life to Jesus Christ, your old self died to sin, okay? You were under sin. Sin was your master. You were a slave to sin. Anyone who hasn't given their life to Jesus Christ today, May, is a slave to sin, all right? Look at verse six. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with. And there's, there's a footnote that says, you know, it could also be read, rendered powerless. For we know that our old self was crucified with him, with Jesus, so that the body of sin might be done away with or rendered powerless, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. You see that verse six? You see it, Rap? Anyone who's not in Jesus Christ today is still a slave to sin. Sin is your master. You are actually owned by sin. You are in slave to sin, and you can do nothing but sin in your life. Sin is your master. Sin is driving you as a slave to sin to do nothing but sin. Before we come to Jesus Christ, we have no power against sin. The, the law convicts us that we shouldn't be this way. We can have a sense of religion. We can have a sense of morality, but we can have no true and genuine power against sin until that old self is killed, okay? When you give your life to Jesus Christ, that old self, that old man, that old woman is actually crucified with Jesus. It's killed, it's dead, and no longer does that old self have power over you anymore. It's incredible. And in place of that, you're given a new self. You're given new spiritual life. You're given eternal life. And now this new self actually has power. It has relationship. It, 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 is, it is one with the Holy Spirit, and it actually has power by the grace of God and the Holy Spirit to actually resist sin and walk in an upright, holy, sanctified, Christ-like way. Wow. Now, again, um, I understand as we did this Bible study yesterday, you know, and the guys had certainly all heard this. I mean, they're solid Christians. They've been studying the Word of God. You know, we've been doing it together, you know, 
some of us for 20 plus years, right? So, um, but it's just, golly, it's just profound because all the guys recognize that that we can still feel this pull of sin in our lives. We can still feel the, a selfish desire to want our own way. We can still just feel the irritation, the impatience. And, and the reality is that when we gave our lives to Christ, our sinful nature was rendered powerless, as Paul says. The old self was killed, so the sin that's still living in us, that old self that gave power to that sin is dead. So no more is that power living in us, but there's still outside influences. There used to be inside influences, right, Becky? May, before you came to Christ, your old self inside of you lived an influence that cooperated with your sinful nature, cooperated with the sin in you, and you could do nothing but sin. When you gave your life to Jesus Christ, you were immersed in his death. Look at verse three. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. So when you gave your life to Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, in the spiritual realm, immersed you into the death of Christ. You were identified with the death of Christ. When you do water baptism, okay, water baptism is an outward symbolic act, physical water baptism, of an inward reality. The inward reality is that when you gave your life to Jesus, now I told you you got to pay attention. This is, Again, we're going deep here, right? You see it, Susan? We're going deep here, Alicia. Um, when you gave your life to Jesus Christ, okay, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, in the spirit realm, immersed your old man, your old self. And there was a literal old self. Your old spiritual self was immersed, was killed, was immersed into the death of Christ. You were baptized. The word baptized, uh, Benny, means to immerse, right? It was immersed into the death of Christ, right, Elena? It was identified with the death of Christ. When you go into the baptismal waters, okay, when, when we baptize someone, we immerse them completely. When you go into the baptismal waters, it symbolizes your identification with the death of Christ. When you're under the water, that old self has been immersed into the death of Christ. When you come up out of the water, that old self stays in the water. It's been identified with the death of Christ, never to rise again. When you come up out of the water, it symbolizes your identification with the life of Jesus Christ. So again, this is water baptism, okay? It's an outward symbolic act of an inward reality. When you go into the water, it symbolizes you've been identified with his death. When it comes out of the water, it symbolizes that you've been identified with the resurrection life of Christ, okay? Deep, right? Verse three, or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Verse four, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Look at verse five. If we have been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. So I said that 
when you gave your life to Christ, the Spirit of God immersed your old man, identified your old man. The old man was crucified with Christ. The old man, the old woman, the old self was crucified with Jesus Christ. It was rendered powerless. It was killed. It no longer has power over you. You do not have to sin anymore. Before you came to Jesus Christ, you were a slave to sin, right? Verse six, for we know that our old self was crucified with him. I didn't write the words. Verse six, for we know that our old self was crucified with him. Do you see that, Kristen? Your old self, Lauren, when you gave your life to Christ, was crucified with Jesus. It was killed. It was immersed in the death of Christ, never to be raised again, your old self, okay? So that old self is not living anymore. You are no longer a slave to sin. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. That's verse six. Clearly, before you came to Christ, I'll say again, yes, you were a slave to sin. Sin was your master. Sin owned you. Look at verse seven, because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. No longer are you a slave to sin because that old self died. Okay, your old self. So again, Paul is speaking about the spiritual here. Now, obviously, this reflects in the natural, right? Verse seven, because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Okay, when you when we physically die in this world, we don't sin anymore either. Okay, um, dead a dead person doesn't sin. Okay, so once we leave this life, okay, we have been freed from sin. But Paul's speaking about here. Uh, someone who's alive physically, but still hasn't received Christ, they're spiritually dead, and they have this old man, this old self that's still driving them to sin. That old self is being driven by sin. The old self is a slave to sin. Sin owns you, and it's driving you as its slave to sin, and you have no power to do otherwise. But when you gave your life to Christ, okay, verse four, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the father, we too may live a new life. When you gave your life to, to, to Christ, that old man was crucified, was killed. No more are you a slave to sin. Just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the father, we too may live a new life. Just like we are identified with the death of Christ, we're identified with the resurrection life of Christ. So hear me here, okay? This is, this again, this is so important, right, Chloe? I mean, uh, uh, I mean, when, when you gave your life to Jesus, your old self, your old man was actually killed. You have hope now because no more are you a slave to sin. No more do you have to sin. And on top of that, not only was your old self killed, but now you were given a brand new self. The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit came to live in you and gave you new life, gave you spiritual life. You, you, you were born again spiritually. You became a new man and a new woman. You came into eternal life, spiritual life in Christ. And now with the resurrection power of Jesus living in you, 
we too may live a new life. We actually in our lives can walk in a way that's holy, upright, and pleasing to God because the old man is killed. Your old self is killed, Lauren, right? No longer, no longer are you its slave. You don't have to obey the evil desires of sin, right? You have a new man that's driving you to live with Christ. So the biggest question that absorbed our Bible study yesterday then is, is uh, right, Stephen, is then, then why do I still have this pull in me to sin? Why, if the old man inside of me that was living inside of me, that that was causing me and driving me to sin because I was his slave, right? If that man's been killed and I'm no longer his slave and he's not even living anymore, why am I still, why do I still sin? Why do I still have this battle with sin? Great question, right? So I'll, so when we gave our lives to Jesus Christ, Corinne, when we received Jesus as our Lord and Savior, okay, our sinful nature, okay, remember, every single one of us is born with a nature to sin. That's why you can see it in, in children, right? Um, I was talking to Mrs. Graham yesterday, um, and, uh, you know, uh, you know, I was telling her the story I always tell about my two daughters. At one year old, I could buy them the same toy. And, and you know, my daughter, Lauren, I always say, and, and you know, obviously, they're, they're both children. They both have a sinful nature. But I use Lauren in this example. They both have the same toy. They're identical. You bought them the same toy, and they're both playing with it at one year old. And Lauren looks at her toy and decides, huh, yeah, I want Kristen's too. And waddles over to Kristen. I mean, I think they're walking already or barely. Blah, 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 blah. Takes Kristen's. Blah, 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 waddles back. Puts it with her toy, which is exactly the same. And now she has two identical toys. Kristen has none. Kristen is balling. Lauren don't care. Why would she do that? Now, my daughter Lauren and Kristen are, 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 have become wonderful, godly women. Living for Christ. But at one year old, I never taught them to do that. Their mother never taught them to do that, right? They, they have a nature of sin. We are born with a sinful nature. We never have to teach our children to be disobedient. Naturally, when her mother or I took the toy away from Lauren and gave Kristen her toy back, so now they both have the same toy, one each, Lauren was mad because she didn't have both, okay? And then obviously Kristen would behave in these same ways, right? So we can see the sinful nature. Mrs. Graham said yesterday, man, that's a good example. Everyone should be able to understand that, right? Um, that we can see the sinful nature in children. We can see just the demanding nature of a, we can all picture a baby sitting in the high chair, you know, thrusting the food off the table because the baby don't want it. It's angry, it's bitter, it wants what it wants, right? And it screams to get what it wants. It cares only about itself. So we are born with a nature to sin, a sinful nature. Now, we all have this sinful nature because we're born with it, we're born spiritually dead. We, we, we come into this world naturally alive, but our spirit is dead to God, okay? So because of this, we need spiritual life. When you give your life to Jesus Christ, as we just said, the Holy Spirit comes in, immerses you into the death of Christ. The old, the old self, which was a slave of sin, is killed 
It's crucified with Jesus Christ, immersed into the death of Jesus Christ, identified with Jesus Christ. It's rendered powerless. So our sinful nature, that nature to sin, no longer has power over us anymore. It's rendered powerless, but it's not eradicated. It's still there, but that power of the old man that was driving it to sin no longer exists. So the question at hand is, why, why do we still have a pull to sin? Well, although that old man has been crucified, that old man left an imprint on you, so to speak. You have a, a memory of that, of that old man, of that sinful nature. You have a memory of the habits of that old man. And although that old man living in you can no longer drive you to sin, and as a matter of fact, you have a new man that's driving you to live rightly and holy and pleasing to God, the old man, again, not only has this imprint, but it has outside forces, not the old man. The old man had left an imprint. The sinful nature no longer has the old man to, to drive it to sin, but our sinful nature has outside forces still influencing it. Again, I told you this was deep today, right? The outside forces, Scott, are the world, the flesh, and the devil, okay? So, and again, this is deep. Um, you know, so although the old man no longer controls us, we're no longer a slave to sin, we don't have to sin, we live in a world that's completely sinful, totally sinful, and tempting us to sin everywhere we look, the physical world that we live in, right? Um, that's not in Christ everywhere, okay? We, we, we have a flesh, we have a body, we still have this, this nature, okay, that again, that, that, that remembers right? Sinful habits and remembers the pleasures of sin and can be tempted to sin. And, and we have a devil. We have spiritual forces of evil that, that these outside forces are, are pulling us still and tempting us to sin. But again, the good news is, the hope is, the wonderfulness of all of this is that we don't have to live in this way because the old self has been crucified and we've been given a, a new self. We've been identified with the death of Christ, and we've been given resurrection life in Christ, right? If we've been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. The more we walk out this life in, in, in a more holy and pleasing way, the more that we walk holy and upright with God, the more that that were identified in our walk with Christ with the death of Jesus, the more we'll experience the resurrection life of Jesus. It's incredible, Father. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you, Father, that anyone who has died has been freed from sin. We thank you that our, our old self, our old man has been crucified with Jesus. We thank you that we're free from sin. We thank you that we've been given resurrection, life in Jesus. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us, convict us in our new self, our new man, our new woman, to live in a holy and pleasing and Christ-centered way in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.